coming up on The Dr. John Deloney Show. By the way, the news stations do not care about you. They want your clicks and they want your attention. They want you to keep spending your money. They don't care about you. Politicians don't care about you. They want to keep their jobs and their power to keep on spending your money. That is it. Hey, what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show, show about mental health and parenting and marriage and dating, whatever's going on in your world. Things have fallen apart. You show up here and I'll sit with you. I'll bring some some nachos. I'll uh, bring a drink and we'll we'll figure out what to do next. Um, here's what this show is for. This show is for folks who want to see inside somebody else's life so that they can use what's going on in somebody else's story and apply it to their own life. This show is real callers, real people going through real junk in their lives. And my commitment, I don't always know the answer. Sometimes I'm on the phone calling experts all across the country um, for their insights and wisdom. But my promise is I'm going to sit down. I'm going to tell the truth the best I know it. And if I don't know, I'm going to say I don't know. Um, But we've got to do life a different way. We just have to. I mean, I was more convicted this weekend. Um, We had a, a group of people over to our house for Easter celebration. And it was just a group of incredible misfits. It was, it was so great. All these different families from all these different places, all from all over wherever who landed at our house out in the woods. And this reminded me, there's another way. There's another way. And so that's what this show is for is giving you some insights. And we have brave callers from all over the world calling into the show, asking about what's going on in their life. And they help paint a picture for how you can be a better mom, be a better dad, get new insights into your mental health challenges, figure out what to do next with your nutrition diet, whatever's going on, whatever is going on. So if you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K. Um, and please share these shows with everybody, everybody you know, everybody's going through something. Be that person who just was always shooting a text with the, with the link to it or shooting an email with a link to it. Um, please hit the subscription um, and or go to iTunes or YouTube, wherever you're consuming this thing, and hit the thumbs up button or the, the subscription, however it works, on, the, on whatever internet platform you're using. Super, super grateful for you. All right, let's go out to Sean in Richmond, Virginia. What's up, Sean? Hey, Dr. John. How are you? Partying, man. What are you up to? Oh, man. Um, just fanboying right now um <laughs> <laughs> i am fanboying too i'm fanboying yeah. too what's up man i'm a uh so I, i'm been using your your cards for humans uh to better build my relationships with my kids how's that working now or my six-year-old oh it's great my six-year-old is coming to me now asking what's the best part of my day and what's the most challenging part of my day <laughs> wow <laughs> that's incredible man good for you yeah so my question is how do I um, best integrate my kids into another family of kids? Um, I live in one of these awesome states that make you stay separated for 12 months before finalizing divorce. God knows how long, how much longer later after that. Um, But uh, did your, did your attorney uh, tell you why they do that? No, I need to ask no, a, a buddy of mine who's a legal scholar. I, <laughs> it, I, I can't think of a dumber law. That's not true. There's, we've got plenty of dumb laws and I'm in Tennessee. Oh, we, so we are, we are we trying to just like, hold my beer. I can make an even dumber one. But like, I, I just don't understand that at all. I just don't understand it. At all. But okay. So 12 months. Okay. So yes, is your divorce not finalized yet? 
Not yet. Um, Are you already dating? Uh, I I'm Sean! not dating, oh. uh, but I do have someone that I am very, <laughs> you know, curious to see what's going to happen once Gosh. the divorce is final. Yeah, it's kind of so, you're kind of like in middle school. Like we're not going out. We just like make out. <laughs> it's like cool. Facebook official. Exactly. But... <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. So um, yeah. tell me what happened with your with your marriage. Um, it, it was one of those where, uh, honestly, it was a lack of communication on both ends. Um, I was growing one way and she was growing another way. And our picture of our future changed individually. And we never really sat down to repaint that picture. Um, so it, it just kind of fell apart from there. And I tried to do what I could to help better myself, to be a better husband, better father. Um, and you know, she just wasn't, uh, wasn't into it. So, um, I wanted to do marriage counseling and, uh, she did not. And that kind of told me everything I needed to know there. Who, who ultimately filed on who? Um, we both sat down and said, you know, we just need to end it and both agreed. Okay. Um, so, so we're, how many months ago was, was the final, Y'all sat in a room and said, "This is let's just be let's be done." Uh, about ten months ago. Okay, and then how long before that? How many years has it been? Pretty chaotic and frustrating. Uh, probably two to three years beforehand. Okay, and then how old are your kids? Uh, Eleven and six. Whew. Okay, and so the person that. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not Facebook official yet. You're just like um uh tell me about them. Uh she has three kids, um ages five, twelve, and fifteen. Um she's a freaking superhero, uh, in my book. She's raised those kids by herself. Um she's an ER nurse. Um so she lives in chaos. And she still finds ways to smile and laugh every single day. Okay, so tell me your question. Um, what uh, like best practices for uh, introducing and kind of integrating the kids together? Okay. Um, so there's a couple of big rocks here, and then I'll 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 let you speak into some of it. Um, one of the big rocks is just to hold in your back pocket is don't ever introduce somebody to your kids that you don't see a long-term connected future with. Right. Um, there's this, there's kind of an, uh, there, there's an idea floating around out there that I hear a lot, which is I need to, I need to show my kids that I'm moving on past this hurt and that I'm out dating again. I want to, I want to provide a good picture of what dating looks like. Kids are desperate for one word in this season, stability. Mm -hmm. stability 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 so before you bring somebody else in establish some routines on this is how life is gonna go and let there be some smoke clearing on let those kids know this is their new life and then six months down the road a year down the road when you're convinced that this woman's a rock star and she's gonna be your next whatever and you thought communication was hard last time. But now let's marry somebody's you know, ER trauma nurse <laughs> with three kids. 
um, one of which we'll be driving by then. Let's do that. So we're going to have established great communication. And then you're going to circle back and slow. So that's number one is give some, let there be some space. Make, this, make sure this person is like, no, no, I see a legitimate future here. The second thing is the stability, as I talked about. Um, and by the way, that doesn't mean normalcy. There is no normal. Like the kid, for the kids, it's, it's just chaos. It's chaos. So we're going to pro- provide some stability. We're going to have some routines. We're going to have some, this is the way this is. Um, and I think it's important for you. You've been ready for this for years, right? And yeah. right now this woman that you're talking to may have been talking to, how long have you been talking to her? For two years, three years? 10 months? Like so how we, we've known each other for about 10 years. Okay. Um, so she's not like a, she's not a stranger. She's someone that um, I do trust very much. And I, I know her very well. Um, when did you have feelings for? Whew. And be honest. Prob- probably about three months ago. Okay. That was the first time you've been like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. After 10 years? Come on, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, uh, we've always been, like, good friends. Had a really good connection from the beginning. Um, and, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is what, I, what I've been missing. Okay. I, I can't emphasize this enough that as good as it feels to finally have what feels like in your life, um, like a partner, someone on the same team, someone who laughs at mm-hmm. the same things you laugh at, whatever, you have to wrap your head around the fact that this is still very much a fantasy. It's still very much a, because it's not this. So you've established three or four big rocks that aren't what you had. And she happens to have those three or four rocks And the challenges or the, the, the fantasy part is there's three or four of the rocks that you, that you had with your ex that you don't even realize that this new person doesn't have. So it's not a matter of, I finally have found what I'm looking for, as great U2 song says. It's not that. It is, I'm finally deciding that I can live with these, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to honor these, right? It, it's, it's, it's not going to be an even trade like you think it is right now. And that's the importance of just mm-hmm. slow playing it, because you're still, you're still so happy to be out of one. And, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm funny. My ex-wife didn't think I was funny at all. She was annoying, right? Um. And then, I th- dude, this is super important. Often, 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 kids, when they are being introduced to mom or dad's new boyfriend or girlfriend, they feel a sense of disloyalty to their birth parents on the other side. Mm-hmm. As though, if I accept dad's new girlfriend, I'm betraying mom. And if you and your ex were able to sit down and be super transparent with one another, probably in a way that if you had been, it would have saved your marriage originally and say, you're going to date again. I'm going to date again. We have to be in communication because your wife may bring home some scumbag that you don't want around your kids. That's number one and vice versa. And number two, you need your, your ex to say to your kids when they come home and say, dad's got a girlfriend that her first words are, I'm so glad dad's happy. Not tell me about her because there's going to be that, that seed plant. Does that make sense? Yes. If that can't happen and it can't happen in most divorces, because again, if people were that much adults, they could have dealt with this way up upstream. Um, you just have to be prepared for that. 
And then okay. when it comes to like actually joining up, and you're talking about your two kids suddenly being outnumbered in their own house. And so I would definitely, if y'all decide one day we're going to, we're going to get married, we're going to lock this thing up that you would get um, some professional counseling to help integrate. Here's what this new family is going to look like. We get to create this sucker, kids, mom, dad, everybody. We're going to create what this thing looks like. One of the kids is going to hate everything about it and try to torpedo the whole thing. Two of them are just going to go along with it just because they are so desperate for peace. Two are going to check out, right? So we're going to begin to spot each one of these kids and how we can best love them because it's going to be different for each one of them, but we're going to need a professional for that. And that's just a part okay. of That's just a part of moving forward. I just wouldn't do it without that. Uh, I totally agree. So I, I'm telling you these things. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Are you going, okay, cool. That's easy, dude. Or, oh, geez, like I need to think this through. No, um, uh, I think it sounds like really great. Like, I didn't think about the professional counseling part and I, I think it's going to be huge. Um, and I know my oldest, <laughs> he, he even told me he can't wait until I have a girlfriend so he can tease me for having a girlfriend because I tease him for having a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and do, do know this children in, in, in the situation like your kids are in. They will use very grown-up words. Mm -hmm. They will nuzzle up to one or one or both of you. It is a incredible, excruciatingly painful situation for kids. Yeah. And so, even when even when eleven-year-olds making jokes like that, that eleven-year-old is um, desperately trying to make sure y'all's relationship is okay. Mm -hmm. Does that make you see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And so any, 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 um, dysregulation from kids, I'm going to give them a really gracious pass for a while mm -hmm. because their whole world has exploded and they're going to the mirror every day saying, what did I do? What could I have done? What could I have done? What could I have done? There's something that kids experience, um, called the, the, uh, reconciliation fantasy that is really hard, especially if you decide you're getting engaged or getting married. There's always this lingering sense in the back of their mind that one day mom and dad will get back together. And there's a there's another grief that they experience after the initial breakup when it becomes serious. When when mom finally says, hey, I'm getting married, then it becomes mm -hmm. this, oh, this is forever. Right. Kids don't have that that they don't have that um that sense of time yet. So all I have to say is this, it's going to be really rocky. As smooth as you think it is right now, it's going to be rocky. And that's, that's, <laughs> and that's okay. It's just, it's just keeping space for it to be very com uh, complicated. And we did, uh, I did end up buying uh, this two books that you recommended uh, a while ago um, about the two households and how, you know, mom and dad still love you guys, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and I've read that to them several times and both uh, me and their mom are constantly telling them that, you know, this was a, an adult decision. It's had nothing to do with you guys. Um, we both love you guys very, very much. Um, it's just honestly, <clears throat> excuse me, something uh, that we felt was right that is going to be better for them in the long run as well. I would give them an opportunity to say words out of their own mouth. Sometimes when okay. we get around our kids, we'll say things like, hey, this is on us. We did this. And we explain stuff. Kids feel stuff. Adults talk kids feel. And so I would, whether that is once a week to, with your, you know, five-year-old to get down, literally lay down on your stomach, on your belly 
and y'all, uh, he or she lays down and y'all are making eye contact, maybe you're coloring and say, hey, I want to hear from your heart. Tell me what you're sad about with, with us getting a divorce. Let them use their words. Ask that 11-year-old. Like, what do you, what have you, it's been a few months. Tell me about what you're sad about. And let them just talk. And they may say, nothing, nothing. And you can say, I'm sad. It's not what I thought was going to be going in. I'm sad about it. Mm -hmm. And they need to know that sometimes I'm sad and sometimes I'm going to do something different. And that those two things aren't linked. But you see what I'm saying? But let's give them an opportunity to not just hear, hear, hear explanations from adults, but that their feelings are important too. And they get to speak out loud because they're going to tell you things that are going to stun you. And they have levels of insight that often my, my daughter after the shooting here in Nashville recently, she's seven and she explained some things to me that I was absolutely floored that she knew. And I do this for a living, right? I was, I was stunned that she knew some of the things that she knew. So all I have to say is give them a space to talk about it. It's just going to be tough for them. Cool. Cool. All right. Whenever you um, decide y'all are going to get married and be all, ew, ew, call in. Because I want to talk to both of you. I think that would be make for a very fun phone call. That'd be fantastic. Thanks for calling, Sean. Uh, I'm really grateful for you. Everybody, uh, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go out to Grace in Austin, Texas. What's up, Grace in the 512? How we doing? Hi, how are you? I'm good. good. To talk to you. It's great to talk to you. Things okay? Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Excellent. Yeah, it is. It is stunning out here in Nashville today. I'm glad that y'all needs y'all need a beautiful day. Just yeah, the weather's I know. bananas. Hey, so what's up? How can I help? <laughs> okay, so um, my question is, um, how do I like release or let go of this like perhaps unreasonable bitterness that I have? against my family, my parents specifically. Um, and I know that's a super broad question, so I can explain it if you want. Can I just start guessing thing? Just kidding. Yes, of course. Explain <laughs> it. Explain it. Okay. Um, so 10 years ago, um, I was at the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh my gosh. Um, in 2013. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. 10 years. Okay. Yeah, 10 years. It's crazy. Um, wow. What were you doing there? 
Oh, I was cheering on my mom. She was racing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and like I was at the finish line and thankfully like didn't die. Yeah. For Um, real. Hey, can we just park on that sentence? That's an important sentence. Okay. Yeah. Have, have you is. have you internalized that over the last ten years? Uh, yeah, I think so. I I think I've taken it and I've like I've done good with that with that gratefulness that I have. Okay. Um, it's a it's a weird thing because um, you know, no one thinks when they're in like in middle school that they're just gonna go to a sporting event and possibly like die. But no, did you I, I think, did you see things or did you hear things or did you yeah, happen to leave? Before? Yeah, tell me what you yeah, saw. Like. Uh, I've never actually like told anyone. Um, okay. Okay. Then I'm going to but... stop you there. Cause I don't want to be the first person in this, in this context. You, yeah. need, you need that somebody, um, up close, but okay. And right. so keep, keep mm-hmm. going here. So, You're... yeah, I mean, I saw all the things that like the, the news showed or wasn't allowed to show, honestly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, over the last 10 years, I've done a lot of like work to get rid of, or try my best to get rid of like the, um, physical post-traumatic symptoms, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff started pr- to present itself like in the spring, which was kind of weird, um, like a lack of sleep and all that. And all that was to be expected, and we were warned. Um, but I guess like 10 years later, I'm realizing that there's a lot of bitterness I still have for the way that my family like dealt with um, the situation afterwards. Mm. Tell um, me about I, it. I did get... I did get sent to a counselor because I was honest with my family about like what I saw. Like when everyone was telling us not to look in one direction, we were running away. Like I was curious. So I looked and, um, anyway, uh, so I went to a counselor, but in my head, like growing up, I had heard over and over that like that was weak or maybe I hadn't heard it, but I had internalized that, um, Mm. that you go to a counselor if you have a problem. And I didn't think that I had a problem. Like I, I just thought I would, be able to move on um and so i i didn't really like talk to anyone about it i just um now i'm realizing that i shoved it down and i just um i guess i'm now dealing with it 10 years later so it doesn't really go away but um what did your what did your mom and dad do that you're still so bitter your family i think it's what they didn't do okay Um, tell me about that so there was a lack of conversations about it. Like we turned to humor in my family, which is really nice in the moment, but I think long-term it has done some damage and it's created some coping mechanisms in me that like, I just blame on them and I just need to take some like personal responsibility for them because now I'm in my twenties and I want to tell me what, change that. give me two things you've done as coping mechanisms. Um, I never talk about it. And then when I do, I only talk about it in like trying to find a purpose in the bombing. Like I'm just so obsessed with finding the good in it, I guess. Um, um, tell me though, what are some coping behaviors? Oh, okay. Are you restrictive um, with what you I eat? Developed, are you, um, yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. I developed like a really horrible eating disorder. Okay. Um, and then I also just like turned to success as like my fuel, I guess. Um, yeah. 
And sorry, I'm teetering on no, tears. I'm no, really trying no, to stay away from this. And I'm really, if you were um, with me um, and you could feel safe, um, I would push you a little bit further. But since we're on the phone, you're sitting by yourself and you can hear me, um, but your body can't feel this room right now. Okay. So I'm, yeah. I, I am intentionally mm-hmm. stopping one or two, uh, two questions short. Okay. But I, I okay. know that you can feel that I'm stopping too. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and here's, I want you to hear me say this. Um, And this is both a disarming thing and this is also a frustrating thing for you. The fact that I immediately picked, this isn't written down anywhere. I don't, you didn't, to my knowledge, you didn't put this in your entry. I didn't even read your letter that you sent. I just have a little clip. Um, The fact that I picked disordered eating out of thin air, Mm -hmm. I want you to know. This isn't the, you're, you're on a long line of people who've suffered awful things. Yeah. And did not have people around that would listen to you and left Mm -hmm. you to swim in the middle of the ocean by yourself. And what's super frustrating is they all look like they were swimming just fine right next to you. Yeah. And they weren't, they're not, mm -hmm. they're not either, Grace. Mm -hmm. They're not. Yeah. But they looked like they were. The craziest thing is. I just look around me and like I, a few other people in my family like were there and I just, I look at them and I'm like jealous almost of. It's a mirage. How, it's a mirage. Yeah. It's a mirage. It's a mirage. And good mm-hmm. for you that you got addicted to success and not something else. Fair. Right. Yeah. Mm, definitely fair. Yeah. So what's going on <laughs> now, 10 years later, is it media coverage? Is it, what, what is, um, what is bringing this up now? Well, my parents did a good job of, of covering, shielding us from the media. They didn't want us to get obsessed with it because they did hear that sometimes people do turn to it that, and that, just get obsessed with the story. I'm going to tell you they did um, the best they could with the info they had and what they did was absolutely exactly. backwards. Yeah. Completely oh, backwards. Okay. <laughs> Completely oh. backwards. I, okay. Um, but we, we, we can talk through that in a second. Um, yeah. Or I, I, um, I, Now... Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say that now I... Um, actually qualified for the Boston Marathon, <laughs> so I'm running it in a week. <laughs> so I just, I kind of like, I just wanted something to be like mine out of this. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I just, I'm setting my expectations like moderate because who knows? Um, but I'm just excited that I have the opportunity to go, you know, and like, hope to make it good this time it's okay grace no one's ever told you this it is okay to be terrified out of your mind mm-hmm. and it's okay yeah. to be so scared that the day before you get on that plane you don't go and it's also okay to go and to run not your best time but to finish in a act of defiance so profound that few people will ever understand what you've done. Yeah, that's how it feels. It feels like I'm, like, it feels like a victory already, I guess. Yeah, um, it is. I, I think the reason why I, like, really wanted to just, like, talk to someone about it is because not all aspects of the last 10 years feel victorious at all, you know? No. Like, it's, And I expected like 10 years later, like, why can't this just be like done, you know? Because, because um, here's the deal. You, you haven't dealt with it. 
Yeah, I just don't know how it really I know, where to start. I know, and you don't have a picture of what that looks like in your house. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm heartbroken for you. So, can I use a recent tragedy in in my neighborhood to talk through how I, di- I dealt with it with my little kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm in Nashville. So we just had that shooting where that person went inside right. and shot kids in, inside yeah. of a little Christian school, right? Mm-hmm. My seven year old and my 13-year-old. My seven-year-old, we laid down on our tummies, on our stomachs, on our trampoline outside. And I asked her to tell me what she knew and what she'd heard. And she wasn't at the school. She was down the road. Um, But that was going to be the school. That was her feeder school from her her pre-K. And so she had people. So I, I asked her to tell me everything she knew about whatever she knew. And then I asked her to tell me about her feelings. And she said she was scared, but she knew what to do. And then she explained a few things to me on active shooter training that I learned in a SWAT operation. And then I wept because I thought my seven-year-old should not freaking know this. But I didn't hide it from her. I let her see me. You see what I'm saying? See how different it is? Yeah. Now, I didn't let her watch the news because she's seven. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference yeah. between trying to shield somebody and to age appropriately, let them feel and see what grief looks like. Mm-hmm. And one step further, I've shown up to scenes and I have things in my mind that will be there for the rest of my life, just like you, right? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, only, the only difference is most of mine, not all, but most of them, I was an adult. You were a child. And so your body right. has stamped that. Yeah. And no adult came to rescue you. No. Yeah. I mean, they tried like. Hold on, 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 hold on. Sorry. You have to stop defending them. You've been defending them your whole life. You have to stop. It's not your job. Like, um, I understand that. I just, I think my problem with it is putting myself in their shoes. Like, there's no textbook for that. You know? No, 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 no. Exactly. Here, here. Let me say this: We're not, we're not going to blame them as though there's some retribution or some like declaration of war. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to hold in the other hand. So we're not hating. We're not, we're not going to war. But we're going to hold in the other hand. I was ten, and somebody no. that I know and that I love should have hugged me and said, "You saw horrible things. Tell me about it." You're, mm-hmm. You weren't safe then, but you're safe now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to counseling with you because I'm scared. And when they noticed that their teenage daughter was skipping meals and losing weight, that they would say, hey, I'm going to come with you. I'm stopping all of our plans that we're running to. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so there is in one hand, no, we're not going to beat somebody up because they were dealing with their own trauma. I get that. And... Mm-hmm. There was another way they could have helped, dealt with it. And you have to own both. Yeah. Okay? Both things are true. Mm-hmm. You can still love, love, love them because they did the best they could with what they had, with the tools they had in their toolkit. And as a kid, you needed more. Right. Okay? And so now here we are. We're left with, um, you're in your 20s. Yep. And what am I going to do now? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's like the forgotten thing. Um, like none of my friends really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel 
like it's very niche and I have no one to like relate to about it. Um, not so, that I want a relatable problem, I guess. No, no you need nice. someone to talk to. <laughs> so I'll tell you the actual thing that happened is niche. Okay. Yeah. The actual thing. But trauma is not niche at all. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to give you a couple of standard lines that are important. Grief demands a witness. Mm -hmm. You have to say the words out loud of what you experienced and what you went through. Not with me, but with somebody you care and trust. And if that's a new mm -hmm. counselor, that's a new counselor. If that's your mom and dad, that's your mom and dad. If that's your sister, that's your sister. But you have, you can no longer try to keep all of this bound and trapped in your body because you're trying to protect everybody around you. Because when you're 10, you've got this weird sense in your soul that you didn't protect somebody, that you did something right. wrong, that you didn't do enough. Funny you say that because I've actually had this guilt for a while that I ran away. I know. Um, I know. Grace, you were 10. Okay. Yeah. If you ran up on a 10-year-old right now who was trying to help, what would you tell them to do? Um, like find cover. Get <laughs> out of here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because you're 10. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unreasonable. Um, I know, I but just, the body does what it does to, to keep us safe. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So... Whew. Now, there's some, there's some pretty clear research that says... Um, and just been my personal experience too, that just sitting down and hauling off and just saying, here's everything from start to finish about my trauma can actually mm -hmm. re-traumatize your body in a weird way. So the first thing yeah. you, you're going to do is you're going to get with somebody who's a trauma specialist and you are going to, they're going to, it's called seeking safety. You're going to find a, you're going to teach your body ways to slowly, slowly enter some of these uh, thoughts and memories and not get overwhelmed by them. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's, it's the same as before you run the Boston marathon, you got to run two miles. It's that. And you're, there's, it's, yeah. a, it's actually pretty, it's, it's a pretty standard series of, we're going to meet for three or four times and practice a couple of ways to whew, slow our bodies down when it starts to gear up. And there's going to be a couple of sessions that are in hell. And there's going to be a couple of sessions in how do we make light of this new world? How do we go make meaning of all this? Right. But okay. you're you're trying to make meaning. You're trying to um <laughs> here's what you've done in a in such a beautifully eloquent way. You have laid all the ingredients out for an incredible um Texas catfish dinner. And you've got all the people at your house and you've got all the lines and bait. You just haven't gone fishing yet. Okay, so you're trying to make meaning of something that you haven't fully processed yet. You're holding a 10-year-old yeah. accountable for her actions when the adults in the world around her left her trying to figure out what to do next because they, they were too busy trying to survive too. Mm -hmm. Okay? And now you're doing a, an incredibly brave thing by going back to ground zero and saying, I, I won't be conquered by this. This mm -hmm. will be a monumental moment for you if you don't I go hope. through with it or, yeah. if you do, or if you do. But here's the thing. It's not Rocky Four. Like, this isn't going to be the – it's not going to heal you. It's not – everything's not going to be roses right. and butterflies after this. Yeah. But it not will – That's what I realized. Do, go ahead. Do what? 
I was just going to say, that's what I realized from like training for this. And like the reality is the fact that like what's going on inside my head hasn't changed. Like, uh, yeah, I'm ready and I'm fit and I'm good to run this marathon. Um, and I'm excited, but I was like, Oh wait, I'm actually not feeling better. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, nothing's changed. In, in like, I say this all the time when I'm talking to like business owners and it sounds trite and cheesy, you get to see it in as close up as possible, which is achievement never heals you. Nope. Right. And you were about to yep. do the ultimate achievement, the ultimate display of bravery and um, middle fingers to your trauma. Yeah. yeah. And it's still, you're going to cross that finish line. You're going to be so thankful. And then you are still going to look to your right and left. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. You're still going to look to your right or left. Yep. Don't let that stop you because this will be, this can be a unbelievably powerful platform from which to jump off of to go get well. Yeah. But at some point you're going to find yourself sitting in a circle there in Austin with a couple of other survivors of things. And you're going to find out you'll have very different stories, but very similar lives. And you're going to have achieved and accomplished and sought control over. And for the first time, you're going to feel safe enough after a couple of sessions with a professional, maybe more than a couple, you're going to feel safe enough to finally open your hands and let go. And then in, in the safety of those people who've been there to hell and back, Yeah, or just a different coasts. You're going to find solid ground for the first time since you were 10 or 11. You'll have bouts of anger with your parents. You're going to have bouts of great peace and forgiveness with your family. All the things. I'll be so, so, I am, I'm just blown away by how proud I am of you. You are stronger than most of us will ever, ever know. So go run your race. And if you get close to it and you just can't, awesome. You got this far. I will high five you all the way. But if you go through it and you finish the race, finish it. Then you go home and you exhale. Then you look in the mirror and you can say, all right, Grace, now it's time. You're going to make that phone call. And you're going to sit down with somebody and say, I need to talk about some things I saw when I was 10 because they still haunt me now. And I need some help teaching my body that I wasn't okay then, but I'm okay now. I wasn't safe then, but I'm safe now. And then we'll be about making meaning. So proud of you, Grace. Let me know, uh, shoot me a note when you finish, when you cross that finish line. Or if you decide to not run, whatever you decide to do, let me know. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. It's time for facts. Are your friends? Let's do it. The official song of NASCAR. Is it? No. All right, we're going to give you, today I'm going to give you four steps on what to do when the whole world has lost its mind and you find yourself just barely hanging on. Um, We had another segment to discuss today and 
Um, I got up super early this morning, just spinning, 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 spinning. So I sat down and said, I need to put all this on paper here. Um, there's so much, uh, and I'm just thinking about my neighborhood. So much here in Nashville. Um, everybody's still healing. Everybody's still yelling. The politicians in the city have just, I don't, I don't have the words for it. Just lost their minds. Just lost their minds. Everybody's just bananas. Um, politics across the country. I don't care who you are. If you stop for a second, and turn the radio off. Turn the TV off. And you just roll your window down and you're driving down the road. You're being honest. Both parties are insane. Insane. It's madness. I was with some folks who are close friends of mine who are different politically this weekend on both sides of the aisle. The most common refrain, refrain was, I don't know who my party is anymore. They're insane. You're just regular old neighbors. Regular old good folks. I see tons of cowardice and frightened and fear in my neighbors and in my friends and across the country. I'm going to be real honest with you. This is just me being vulnerable. I've seen cowardice when I look in the mirror. I've seen fear when I look in the mirror. Just, I got two little kids, man. I brought them into this mess. And I'm not just talking about Nashville. I'm talking about politics across the country. I'm talking about um, all the chaos. And then you step back and you hear about like China's moves to replace the dollar and shifting global priorities. Ukraine war, on and on and on. And then at home, we've got kids and grades and inflation. It's too expensive to move, but it's, I don't have enough money in my, in my current job, all of it. And if we're honest, we're trying to do two things. One of two things, I mean. We're either going to double down on what we know and just try to do whatever we were already doing faster or with more force, more aggressively, right? Or more recklessly, which by the way, that's insanity. It's madness to keep doing the same thing just faster and harder when you get stuck. Whenever you find yourself and your, and your tires are in mud, just jamming on the gas just digs a huge hole that you for sure are going to get out of now. And that's what we're doing with our lives. We're just getting angrier, more frustrated, and going and going and going and going and yelling and frazzled. Or we're just checking out. We're done. I'm out. I'm going to have one more drink and one more drink. I'm going to watch one more Netflix episode. I'm going to get super excited about the next series. I'm going to spend all my time talking about the next series and the next series because I've outsourced my lives. I'm done living them. So I'm just going to let Ted last. So I'm going to let him live life for me. I'm just going to let office reruns that I've already watched 700 times. I'm going to let them have friendships and romance and joy and laughter and work hijinks because I'm, I'm done with my life. I've just cashed out. Think of it like being in an aquarium. You're in an aquarium and there's water pouring in and there's water. The water level is rising. Okay. We have voices on the right telling us we need to suck it up and just learn how to swim. We have voices on the left just wanting to, just to focus on the stories about who's dumping the water. And we have voices telling us um, from above that we need to build a better and new foundation at the bottom of this aquarium. And we have voices below us telling us this is the way it's always been and we're trapped and it's all coming down. And I want us just to look around. These narratives aren't working. Even if there's truth in each one of them, it's not helping people. It's not. And I want to propose something new. Let's just get out of the aquarium. Let's just get out. 
Just be done with it. And not worry about swimming or build, whatever. let's just get out. Because what you need right now is not another new diet, another scam, not another scroll in the news media. By the way, the news stations do not care about you. They want your clicks and they want your attention. They want you to keep spending your money. They don't care about you. Politicians don't care about you. They want to keep their jobs and their power to keep on spending your money. That is it. That's it. So what do we do? I'm going to give you four steps on what do you do when you feel out of control. Some of these are short-term, like you can do them right now. Some of these are going to be long-term. It might take you one, two, several years, okay? But there's clear research that when somebody finally gets the courage to call a counselor, they actually start feeling better. When somebody gets an actual plan in front of them and they say, this plan works, and there's a line of people who've done that plan and say, hey, this, this one works that you actually stand taller, you feel better. Being on a path, having a direction is key, even if you're not all the way there, even if you're just starting, okay? And by the way, these things aren't great and they are not fun. In fact, initially, they are not awesome. They're gonna feel terrible. Some of these are gonna feel terrible. You're gonna feel guilty. You're gonna say things like, I can't or I don't know how. Here's what's beautiful about them. I'm not uh, giving you some hack. I'm not running up a gimmick. I'm just telling you the truth, like I always do on this show. Just telling you the truth. And by the way, this is a conversation I had with myself at four or five this morning. Because I got up just spinning, just spinning this morning. When things are hopelessly con- uh, out of control, it feels bleak or it feels dark. We are going to solve for freedom. Here's what that means. That is not um, American flag under ruse and like an eagle going across the, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. We are trapped, chained to things. We are stuck in the aquarium. So we're going to look at the four ways we are chained to the aquarium and we're going to cut the chains. Okay? Number one, if you owe somebody money, you can't just move. You can't get out of your abusive job. You can't get out of your parents' basement. You can't look at your husband and say, you stop hitting or cheating on me or I'm gone. Can't do that. Because Ford Motor Company is telling you what you're doing tomorrow. Your mortgage company is telling you what you're going to do tomorrow. Visa is telling you what you're going to do tomorrow. You are chained inside of that aquarium. You can't move. And yes, I'm biased. I work at Ramsey Solutions. We, we, we help people get out of debt. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean it's not true. And I take a more psychological angle. Your body will not let you rest if somebody else can just snatch your house from you or just snatch your transportation from you or just snatch your food from you. It won't let you. So stop pretending like you got a great deal on a thing that you don't have to pay for for 12 months or whatever. It's just a couch. Don't owe, pay every debt off that you owe. Pay them all off. This is a massive chain around your neck. Pay it off, pay it off, all of them. Get insane about it. Get radical about it. Your life depends on it. And by the way, while we're here, stop waiting for the government to pay off your debts for you. Quit it. Pay them off. You signed your name. I had to pay off six figures of them. 
Did I know what I was signing? No, but I did. I put my name on it as an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old and a 25-year-old. I did it. I did it. So I'm going to pay them off. I'm going to stop waiting on the government. Deal with it like an adult. Does it suck? Yes. Is it the worst? Yes. Do it. My wife and I had to sell our nice house and move into a tiny little apartment in a dorm with a kid. Pay them off. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Pay them off. Number two, time. We use our calendars as a, as a proxy for self-worth. Monday night is sports practice. Tuesday is piano or guitar. Wednesday night is soccer. Thursday night is youth group or dance. Friday nights hang out with friends. Saturday night, Saturdays are all-day sporting events. And then hanging out with friends. Sunday is church or more games or both. Plus schooling, plus commuting, plus all the yoga and the appointments at one point, five-hour workout programs or Netflix shows or baseball games. Stop. Stop. You become a slave to your calendar. Quit. Quit. I was talking to somebody recently, not on air. They needed to go to inpatient treatment for some significant trauma. It was a really incredible, brave person I was talking with. Their first response was, but there's so many things I've got to do. Who's going to get them done? Calendar. Calendar. Get with your, cal- with your spouse and begin canceling things. Just cancel them. Just stop. Create a day with nothing. No plans. No electronics. Create a day or two for hosting. Just hanging out with friends and family. Tell them to bring their whatever crap they have in the fridge. Just bring it over. Half a two liter of what? Bring it over. I don't care. Old wine. Bring it over. Try one sport and one lesson. And that's it. That's it. Your kids are going to be fine. If you drive six hours on a Saturday for a nine-year-old soccer game, Stop. Just stop. Just stop. Ask yourself, is your job worth dying for? Because for bunches of you, it's killing you. And this one's hard for me because I am a to-the-death workaholic. I am. I work to prove myself worth. And so this one's hard for me. You are not your busy calendar. A full calendar does not mean a full life. It means you're choosing to distract yourself from living a full life. You're running and running away. Number three, clutter, junk, stuff everywhere, okay? So real quick, in 18 seconds, our bodies are designed to live in a world of scarcity. It's designed to eat whatever you can get your hands on. It's designed to, if you got water, we're going to drink some water logged. You find a mate, we are going to mate, 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 mate designed for scarcity and then boom overnight we have hacked the supply chains for food and mates and everything they're everywhere everything's everywhere and then we also my granddad um came out of the great depression and he straightened up nails because he had to my grandmother saved string that came off of like clothes because they had to. They didn't, couldn't just go to the store and buy some because there was no store and there was no things and there was no money to buy it if there had been a store. So we've got these bodies who are designed for scarcity that are designed for scarcity. And then we have a picture one or two generations away of people who saved nails. And we have hit the pendulum so far that we try to insulate ourselves from the next big whatever with stuff, more clothes, more shoes, more bicycles, more Weight equipment, more workout programs, more digital clutter, more passwords, more logins, more whatever. Our culture has no brakes on it. 
when it comes to this one magic word, enough. We don't know how to do it. Just start getting rid of stuff. Go room by room. Make it a five-month transformation. Make it a 30-day transformation. My friends, Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus, and TK Coleman, they, the minimalist, they have a challenge. I think it's a 30-day challenge where just on day one, give away one thing. On day two, give away two things. Day three, give away three things. By the time you get to the end of the month, 30 days or 31 days, you're giving away 30 things. And over the course of that month, it's add up to a ton of stuff you've given away. Clothes. Collections. One day, these beanie babies are going to come back. They're not. They're not coming back. Stop. Pare down your life. Pare down your life. Pare down your life. Pare down your life. Our closets, our garages, our attics, our storage spaces, our bank accounts, our our laptops. It's insanity. Get rid of the clutter. Fourth, this is a whole book. Read Nidra Tweb's book called Boundaries. Find Boundaries, Find Peace. My friend Henry Cloud's got a book out about boundaries. It's a masterpiece. It's awesome. Who is telling you what you have to do with your life? Your parents, your in-laws, your abusive spouse, your old professor? Ask yourself this terrifying question. What do I want with my life? And then ask yourself this other scary question. What do I want this month? And then ask yourself an even more terrifying question. And if you're married, do it with your spouse tomorrow. What do I want for today? And what is happening today that's going to get me to this life that I want? This is solving for freedom. With your money, with your time, with your clutter, with your boundaries. Solve for it. Solve for freedom. And here's a bonus one. Phone a friend. Get a friend to work through this with you. Whether you're married, whether you're 18, whether you're 72. Call a friend. The world's going to go bananas. And we've lived in a pocket of history when things have been relatively stable, especially for large swaths of the West. Those days may be over. Not in a bad, dramatic way. Just we've had some pretty stable times. Some stable decades. I expect dissension. I expect chaos. I expect people to be self-serving. I can't do anything about them. But I can't control me. I'm going to look at every angle of my life and solve for freedom, especially in those four areas. I'm going to get out of the aquarium as quickly as possible. And if this sends a sense of panicky in you, good, good. Leave work early and sit down with your husband or your wife and say, we're going to do this now. And on the way, you're going to find grit and strength and resilience that you did not know you had. You're going to find out that you can do anything. Then you will be truly free. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, the great Neil Diamond in his karaoke classic, Where It Began, I Can't Begin to Knowing, but then I know 
It's growing strong. Was in the spring and spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Hands touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Yeah, this is for sure an HR violation. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> good times never seem so good. So good. So, so good. good. I've been inclined to believe they never would, but now I... And this song goes on and on and on. Love you guys. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. 